3: Hey, it's Joe Kelly in for Brian Kilmeade today. BK is going to be back with us on Monday, and I know that you're looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. I'm Joe Kelly, and I'm broadcasting from the Florida Freedom Zone here at WDBO Radio. That's Brian's flagship station here in Central Florida. And uh, the weather yesterday was gorgeous. As I mentioned, it was uh, sunny and 84. It's going to be sunny and 85 today here in Central Florida. And uh, we've got a, a a lot of guests we're going to speak to here on the Brian Kilmeade Show today. We've got a lot of information that we're going to be able to share with you. We're going to be taking your phone calls at 866-408-7669. Though I do have to say that I've got to walk something back. I've got to, I don't know if it's apologize. I've got to correct. I was literally just yesterday on the radio here on the Brian Kilmeade Show making reference to something that was happening here in Orlando. And then shortly after I got off the air, I found out uh, that it was not going to be the case. And it has to do with the, the orange that drops on New Year's Eve. You know, there's a, the big crystal ball in Times Square that drops on New Year's Eve. There's a, a giant peach that drops in Atlanta. That has been canceled. And then here in Orlando, Florida, we have a giant orange that drops in downtown. Uh, but this year, the orange, we're now told, is not going to drop there will be no orange drop in orlando florida this year on new year's eve not though because of covid so the florida freedom zone is still free uh we are not dropping it because well i I, there's an element that we're lame all right the orange rests atop a bar in downtown orlando and the bar is under construction And because the bar is under construction, evidently they're not going to be open on New Year's Eve and they have decided it's their orange and they're not going to drop it. If only there was a Florida man that would go up there and drop the orange for us, that would would awesome, be awesome to have that happen. I'm not going to be the Florida am I'm a Florida man, but I'm not the Florida man. All right. You can join us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show at 866-408-7669. I want to start off, though, with Fox News correspondent Griff Jenkins, who joins us live. Griff, happy New Year to you. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy everything. How are you doing, <laughs> sir? Happy New Year. And let me just tell you
4: that I can get, reveal breaking news in the Jenkins household. The only yes. thing that's going to drop here in the Jenkins household in the great <laughs> District of Columbia is going to be a pillow at 9 p.m. Because yeah. I couldn't be any more ready to say goodbye, adios, via con Dios to 2021.
3: <laughs> Boy, there's no no doubt about that. I used to live out in, in the central time zone. In central time zone, we would celebrate what we would call the New Year's, time, New Year's Eve you know, for New York. And and we'd be in bed by 9 o'clock. But now, living on the East Coast, we actually have to stay up till midnight, which is terrible. Could we not have a matinee of New Year's Eve and have it a little bit earlier in the day? I know. Exactly. Now, I will say,
4: uh, in full disclosure, uh, my 20-year-old daughter and her boyfriend went up today to go to New York. They're like, so excited. They've never been to New York for New Year's Eve. I said, listen— be sure and take pictures because you may be the only person there now that the mayor's uh, reducing the number of people. But it is just, I guess, a reality of the times we're living in.
3: It is indeed, and I, there's a couple of things I wanted to discuss with you, Griff, including COVID. But I want to start with the border, if we can. And I know that you've got a lot of experience there. And I'm really, I want to explain to radio listeners across the nation. That, you know, you're listening to a local radio station right now. Wherever you are, you're listening to a local radio station. And and I know that sometimes local radio stations will get complaints saying, "Hey, how come you're not covering the border? How come you're not covering this, that, or the other?" And and I will have to explain, you know, we are but one radio station, uh, a local radio station in in our case in Orlando, Florida. We can't just up and send a reporter to the border. We n- nobody has the budget for something like that. We have to rely on a network to be able to do that for us. And I don't know that anybody has done that better than Fox news when it comes to covering the border. Uh, So give us an idea of, and I kind of touch on it from the media landscape first, and then we'll get into the, to the politics landscape of it. But I mean, when you're down there covering the border, you're not being overwhelmed by other media out there trying to cover that same story.
4: Well, we're not. And, Joe, you're very kind uh, to to give Fox News uh, due credit. And, you know, I have extensively covered it. In fact, yesterday I put out on Twitter – which my colleague uh, Bill Malusian picked up and ran with, just the latest numbers, which every single day seems to shock us. And uh, just to give the media perspective a little bit, and uh, I'm not, I don't like to uh, try and, uh, you know, say, bring myself into it, so l- let it reflect what Fox News asked me to do. But as you know, Joe, I've been covering the border for my days since I was Greta Van Sussman's correspondent, dating back to the year 2010, when then the border was starting to pop uh, with or 2009, I should say, when under President Obama there was an unaccompanied uh, crisis. And I've covered it every since, and let me tell you that for someone who has spent more than a decade on the border constantly, it has never, and I mean, never been as much of a crisis as it is now. I'll come back and address that in a second. Back to the media coverage. When this year began, in March, early March, many of the Border Patrol sector chiefs in the Rio Grande Valley, in Del Rio, in Laredo, in El Paso, <clears throat> all four in March of 2021 who are friends of mine that I have known over the years, all of them, were saying, you've got to get some viz, you've got to get down here and cover, this border is exploding And, of course, we expected to see numbers increase because, if you will recall, on Inauguration Day, January 20th, then President uh, Biden undid many uh, of the Trump policies to include Remain in Mexico and stop halting construction of the wall and things like that. But nobody was doing it. And so I went down to the Rio Grande Valley sector, uh, where I think my colleague Bill Malusian now has property. He spent so much time down there. (laughs) And I started to put a camera on it. And people were coming over in droves, thousands a day. That then led me into Matamoros on that trip, what was supposed to be a three-day trip. It's like a Gilligan's Island episode. I ended up spending 21 days in Matamoros, in Juarez, in Tijuana, in El Paso, in Laredo, in Del Rio. And we literally went from place to place and exposed it. It became a liability for the administration. And you know what? By the time I stopped, Twenty-one days later, CNN, NBC, and ABC were all down there, and they've been there ever since. When we showed the 10,000 in Del Rio crossing, the Haitians crossing, and Bill Maligia was up in a helicopter showing it, every media outlet jumped on board. Now where are they? They've gone missing. They're not there. They don't want to do it. They don't want to touch it because it is a real – eyesore it's a real black mark on this administration's legacy because as i said it's never been worse you have MS-13 gang members coming across every day. The numbers I put out yesterday, just to give you a little indication, remember, we've all been told that 1.7 million illegal crossings in the fiscal year 2021 was the worst ever on record, already in just this fiscal year. Remember, fiscal years are October to October, so we've only had three months to consider 2022's fiscal year. In the Rio Grande Valley sector, they're up 160 percent compared to last year. More than 1,100 in the last 24 hours. The known sector gotaways, meaning we don't we know they got away because we saw them on the camera. But we didn't get them. More than 12,500 in the number of unaccompanied children. Smugglers just sending the kids by themselves, no parents. In the RGV sector, more than 20,000, that's up almost 250%. So it's really a story that the media has largely ignored, except for Fox News, and one that is getting even worse after reaching unprecedented levels.
3: I, I, Griff, i got to express a little bit of naivete here for just a very brief moment, because I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on me being naive, all right? So I'll just make this real quick. <laughs> So when 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 the media um, and and I'm I'm just using broad strokes here, when the media was really, really tough on Donald Trump, I was one of the few people who said, good, I'm glad we we should hold all of our leaders accountable and we should ask them all the tough questions. Now, of course, that having been said, Donald Trump with the the fake uh, Russian uh, narrative, I mean, there were there was so much more. About Donald Trump, but I appreciated the passion with which the media went after him. And here's where I get naive: I thought maybe this is a turning of the tide of the media, and the media is going to be similarly hard on or ask the tough questions of Joe Biden. And clearly, uh, that is not the case. I, I mean, we, as as you allude. you know every day i'm i'm aware that there is a massive massive unprecedented crisis at the border and every day the networks completely ignore it i i I mean if if they're not in the pocket uh, either emotionally or financially uh in some way or another with with biden and the democrats then i don't know what is
4: listen Let your naivete of 2021 be forgiven, Sir Kelly. (laughs) Listen, but for our own Peter Ducey and and Jackie Heinrich and our others at the White House uh, that ask the tough questions every day, they're not getting them. And... When it comes to the border specifically, uh, I'll give you a little inside baseball. The DHS secretary, Alejandro Mayorquez, I've known for many years uh, and so have all of the adult professionals that deal with border security, because he's been there since the Obama administration. He was first the director of the USCIS, the U.S. Citizenship Organization, then he was the number two. He ended his, his Obama administration uh, uh, reign as the number two guy at DHS. Now he's in charge. And so there was a real serious uh, belief that even though the administration and, and President Biden wanted to undo the Trump policies for political reasons, that monarchists would not allow it to to divulge or or, or to descend into the levels that it is now. But unfortunately, uh, those hopes have now proven otherwise, and you have a border which by all accounts, even including people that are non-political, agree that it's in a a place now where we've never been, and it's going to be very hard to get back in control of. And that's why you're seeing guys like Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who clearly has his own political ambitions, but yet he saw a border in his state that has been overrun and he acted, and it's got this Operation Lone Star, which has been running, by the way, ever since March uh, when the border started to blow up. Uh, and, and I just spent, you may have seen on Fox a week ago, I spent an entire week down there with him, broadcast our show from that wall that they're building on state dollars. And the big takeaway, Joe, and in, 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 I, I don't mean to be uh, you know uh, promoting things, but in, in early January on Fox Nation, We're going to drop a big show that I did on the border because Fox Nation came to me and said, hey – I know you don't, you know, do a lot of stuff for it, but you've done so much border coverage because you do like an encompassing, massive thing uh, to show us, you know, what's going on. I said, you bet. So I took a week off, went off the air and went in the air, on the water, in the brush. We're chasing migrants. We're covered in blood, going through brush and showing people exactly who and what's coming across our border, and one of the big takeaways is I went into Reynosa, Mexico, and interviewed a Gulf cartel smuggler. I've been working for more than a year to secure that. It had negotiations going on in Mexico City with cartel executives, and we got it. And when he sat down, we concealed identity, but when we sat down and talked to him, he admits, full disclosure, and then says, by the way, I've said too much, that they've never had better control of the border. Mm. They've never moved more people than they are now. So it's really, it's quite something, and it'll be fascinating to see in the new year if more uh, networks decide to, to cover it, because we're in this slow period, if you can believe it. The months of November, December, January, February, the cold months, those are always traditionally the slowest on record, compared to last year, which was the unprecedented year that we discussed, there was only twenty eight, twenty nine thousand a month crossing. Now there's 200,000 a month and
3: growing. We're talking to uh, Griff Jenkins, Fox News correspondent here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. You'll find me at Talk Radio Joe on any social media. uh, At Talk Radio Joe, you can join us at 866-408-7669. Griff, it sounds like a dereliction of duty, not just by the administration, but by other network media as well, ignoring this story. We're going we're gonna to continue, though. Griff, hang on just a second. We're going to continue with this discussion and see if we can get some of your phone calls in with us as well at 866-408-7669. I'm Joe Kelly. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show
5: fox news radio on demand on the fox news app download the app and just click listen when you swipe left you can listen to your favorite fox news talk shows live swipe right for the latest fox news radio newscasts on demand fox
2: news radio on the fox news app download it today information you want truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade show
6: the left the radical left has biden in a box HE CAN'T MAKE THE ADJUSTMENTS ON THE BORDER HE NEEDS TO TO SECURE THE BORDER. REMAIN IN MEXICO IS IMPOSED BY THE COURTS AND HE CAN'T CHANGE HIS BORDER POLICY BECAUSE THE LEFT WON'T LET HIM. HE CAN'T EXPAND DRILLING FOR OIL AND NATURAL GAS HERE AT HOME TO BECOME ENERGY INDEPENDENT AGAIN BECAUSE THE LEFT WON'T LET HIM. And WHEN IT COMES TO FOREIGN POLICY IT'S NOT A LEFT PROBLEM. HE'S JUST INCOMPETENT. HE'S BEEN WRONG ABOUT EVERYTHING FOR 40 YEARS. THERE'S A ONE-TWO PUNCH uh, BREWING HERE. Radical Islam is on the rise and raging in Afghanistan, and you have an open southern border. If something doesn't change, 2022 could be the most dangerous year for America since 1939 and the world at large.
3: Well, that is a, that is a scary warning there from Senator Lindsey Graham with Hannity last night on the Fox News Channel. Uh, my name is Joe Kelly. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. You can join us at 866-408-7669. I'm in Orlando, here in the Florida Freedom Zone, and I mentioned yesterday on this show that the orange was going to drop. It's not going to drop now because of construction. I actually took a picture of of the orange. If you want to see the behind-the-scenes here of why our sad orange is not going to drop in downtown Orlando, just look for Talk Radio Joe, at Talk Radio Joe, either on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, uh, Friendster, uh, actually PS5. I'm Talk Radio Joe on PS5. TikTok everywhere. So you can check out the sad orange that is now not going to be dropping, but it's not thanks to COVID. It's thanks to construction. Let's get back to Griff Jenkins, Fox News a correspondent who is joining us now. And we just heard from Lindsey Graham there making reference to the border as well. Uh, but I, I want to pivot here a little bit to COVID as, as you know, Lindsey Graham says that twenty. 22, uh, maybe quite a bit worse than any year we've had since the 1930s. And certainly at this point, COVID isn't going to be going away. And our COVID deaths and our COVID cases are are worse uh, in some cases moving forward this year than the year before.
4: Certainly the numbers, but but Joe, if you'll if you'll forgive me, I, I just want to respond that that uh, Lindsey Graham soundbite you played uh, about the border, it, 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 in what Lindsey Graham was saying about the threat of it, I think is so important. So if I could just expand for a second on that, don't forget the chief of the entire border patrol, a gentleman named Rodney Scott, who spent. 30-plus years of his adult life. we got about 20 seconds, Griff. What's that?
3: Got about 20 seconds.
4: 20 seconds. He says it's an issue of national security, and we should be worried next year. If he's saying it, we all should be. And that's doubling down on Lindsey Graham's statement.
3: Griff Jenkins, Fox News correspondent. Griff, have a great New Year's, would you? Happy New Year. All right, brother. We'll see you. My name is Joe Kelly. You are listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. We will continue. Coming up, stay with us.
2: From his mouth to your ears, ears. it's Brian Kilmeade.
7: What I do know is that it was a terrible decision. I mean, it's actually a completely ridiculous decision. You have a situation right now around the country where you're in the middle of a surge, and unfortunately, there's a lot of fear and panic um, out in the community again, and it's not all Omicron, so there's, there's still a lot of Delta variant out there, and you take away an effective treatment for Delta variant. So it completely baffles me. It absolutely makes no sense. And it makes me wonder about who's running the agency because someone with a clinical background would never make this decision. That
3: is Dr. Joseph Ladapo. He is the Florida Surgeon General on Tucker last night on the Fox News Channel, talking about Biden administration rationing the monoclonal antibodies if you didn't tune in yesterday, I I, I had a breakthrough case. So I had, I was already fully vaccinated with the Moderna vaccine. And then a month or two after I was vaccinated, I still came down with COVID. It was a breakthrough case. Uh, I was able to, thanks to living here in the Florida Freedom Zone, I was able to go down and get monoclonal antibodies for free, free to me. Someone clearly is paying for that, but it was free to me. Four shots, uh, one in each arm, two in your gut. And by that afternoon, that evening, my symptoms, I mean, that was the first day of symptoms. My symptoms were gone. And it's important to know that I am immunocompromised. So I, 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 I had cancer as a kid. Uh, I've got a chronic leukemia now. Uh, and so I, I am immune I am the guy. I am the guy that's immunocompromised that needs uh, the, the protection from the vaccine. And I had it, but the monoclonal antibodies... Uh, to me, were the ones that just fixed it straight away. And I thought it was so interesting what Dr. Ladapo said. By the way, if you're just tuning in, my name is Joe Kelly. This is the Brian Kilmead Show. Uh, you can go to briankilmeadshow.com You can join us at 866-408-7669. But one of the things that Dr. Ladapo said that it was so interesting is he says, unfortunately, there's a lot of fear and panic in the community right now. And As we listen to Cut 8 here, this is Dr. Mary Bassett. She is the acting commissioner for the New York Department of Health. And I saw this headline out of New York that said that childhood or pediatric hospital admissions for COVID had skyrocketed some 300 plus percent. That's a huge headline that grabbed my attention when I saw a 300 percent spike, not in cases, but in hospitalizations. Those are the numbers we really care about, because the whole point in the 15 days to flatten the curve was to make sure that we didn't flood our hospitals, inundate our hospitals uh, with too many patients. And then thus patients would die on the streets. So 15 days to flatten the curve is simply about protecting the hospitals. So, listen to Dr. Mary Bassett now, and she gives context to that three hundred percent increase in childhood or or pediatric hospitalizations in New York. Take a listen.
1: The numbers that we gave on pediatric admissions weren't intended to make it seem that children were having um, you know having a uh, uh, an epidemic of infection. These were small numbers that we reported. In our health alert, uh, there, that was based on 50 hospitalizations, and I've now given you some larger numbers, but they're still uh, small numbers. It really is to motivate pediatricians and families to seek the protection of vaccination.
3: Oh, oh, so it's not about public health per se. It's about getting people to do what the government wants people to do that last sentence again, it's really, as she says, it really is to motivate pediatricians and families to seek the protection of the vaccination. And I, I know I sound like I've got some skepticism, scar- sarcasm in my voice. I'm not anti vaccine, I'm vaccinated. I, I'm anti mandate, but I'm not anti vaccine. But I'm also horribly anti misinformation from our government leaders. And if they're overplaying these numbers, deliberately trying to scare people uh, or, or try to inspire them with fearful numbers, with these scary sounding numbers. And it's the same thing that Dr. Anthony Fauci, when he floated the idea of we would need a vaccine mandate for domestic air travel. I mean, he himself said that it's not so much about the airlines aren't safe. It simply provides additional motivation for people to get vaccinated. Because if you're a you know business person or if you're a family that wants to travel or whatever the case may be, uh, if if you have to get vaccinated to fly, well that's going to certainly increase the number of people who get vaccinated. But can we just be honest with the American people? Can we just trust? the American people are going to make the right decisions based upon accurate information that we don't have to inflate, that we don't have to manipulate just to scare people? 866 You can join me here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Let's go to the phones. Bob is tuning in online and he's listening from Nashville. Bob, you're on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
6: Happy New Year, Joe. You're doing a great job. And I'm sorry to hear about your your personal journey there. I'm glad you're still with us. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. These days, uh, you need a lobotomy to follow the logic of the Biden administration. Let me illustrate that. You know, first they open the border. Then they don't require vaccines. Then they put illegal aliens on midnight planes. They drop them off throughout the country in the middle of the night. And now we have COVID cases spiking around the country, but there's no connection made between choices and choices that have consequences. So, you know, we, with the exception of Fox and stations like, you know, shows like Brian's show and what you do and so on, we really can't count on the press to expose what's going on. I hate to say so, you're
3: right, Bob, but you're right, Bob.
6: Yeah, well, and so, you know, we, we as the people only can do so much. We can either complain and whine or go on Twitter and Facebook and, and bemoan what's happening. Or as Rush Limbaugh used to do so very well, we can use humor and parody to cut through the noise, to hold our government uh, accountable and say, you know what, you've gone too far. I'm not buying this. And, you know, in that vein, I. I tuned in and found a guy down in Nashville, here in Nashville um Gary Chapman who's using the name Johnny Bitcoin and he's done this parody song Take This Jab and Shove It and it just it's saying look not against the vaccine but the freedom is is from God not the government yeah. and so we should be free to choose whether to be vaxxed or not.
3: Thank you Bob so much and and yeah look no doubt about it there's there's a lot of different ways to get the message out. Uh, and and to be able to spread the word and whether it's through humor or through facts or through whatever all i ask for which evidently is too too tall of an order is transparency you know if the biden administration is going to fly migrants uh, from the southern u.s border to other states be honest about it don't hide them don't i mean be transparent you know, we we spoke yesterday about the American's ability to forgive. We were talking about Jussie Smollett and Jussie Smollett, who seems pretty clear that Jussie Smollett fabricated a, a a terrible lie. I was gonna say a wonderful lie, but it wasn't wonderful. But he fabricated this story, and and he he would be forgiven if he just owned up to it. But he never owns up to it. He's never going to be forgiven until he does. And I feel the same way about these flights. You know, these flights in the dark of night that show up in states and nobody knows about it, the governors don't know about it. Governor DeSantis here in the Florida Freedom Zone is trying to shut these things down and to withhold funding from any of the nonprofits that work with the Biden administration on this. Uh, So he's trying to do something certainly about it. But honestly, if the Biden administration was just forthcoming and said, look, guys, here's the deal. We've got planes full of migrants. We can't have them all amassing at the southern border. We're going to distribute them around the United States. We may not like it, but at least be honest with us. So we, so if if we want to object, we would be able to do so knowing what's going on, but lying to us, hiding things from us, it's just un- absolutely unacceptable. And it is the job of the of the media. It is the job of voters. It is the job of of every American citizen to try to hold our leaders accountable, which is why. And again, I go back to the naivete that I mentioned with Griff Jenkins. You know, I I, I didn't have a problem with the media being hard on Donald Trump as long as they're hard on every other elected official particularly presidents and it's just not the case donald trump by any measure got a raw deal as president from the media uh let's go to uh, vince vince is joining us in brooksville florida hey vince you're on the brian kilmeade show how are you sir pretty
8: good sir thank you for having me on and happy new year yeah man uh what's baffling me is how come on this uh Mrs. Maxwell she wasn't offered a plea deal.
3: I don't know that she wasn't offered a plea deal uh but but I didn't you, hear anything. Right, but what would be the advantage to getting her a plea deal at this point since Jeffrey Epstein is dead? I mean to to give her a plea deal would mean that she would have to give up information and and certainly there are other people involved. Right. But right. but the I'm henchmen sure The henchman was Jeffrey Epstein. Now, maybe, maybe the prosecutors will come at her with a deal when it comes to the sentencing. Maybe her sentencing could be a bit less if she is willing to share some more names.
8: Right. More names? Because I'm sure she was doing it for other people if she was doing it for him.
3: Well, as we heard through the trial, there were a lot of celebrities that flew on right. Jeffrey Epstein's planes. So, so yes, I, I think, and honestly, I go back to what I was saying earlier about transparency. I mean, let's let's get these names out there. I, I look. You know, people said, "Well, how will you know?" For if you're a Bill Clinton supporter, let's say you're a Bill Clinton fan, and the question went out to Bill Clinton fans, you know, how would you feel if Bill Clinton was implicated uh, in sex trafficking of minors? And the the reaction should be, "I don't care who it is, sex trafficking is always bad, always. I don't care who it is." No matter what. No matter matter what. Thank you so much, Vince. You can join us at 866-408-7669. We're going to continue with more of your calls coming up straight ahead. My name is Joe Kelly, broadcasting from WDBO here in the Florida Freedom Zone, where we're getting ready for New Year's Eve, where the oranges are evidently not going to drop. I'm just going to have to go buy my own orange, evidently, and just drop it on my own. Uh, We'll get more of your phone calls coming up. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: There's no topic he won't touch. And there's no opinion he won't engage. one of the great joys of my life. Call in with yours at 866-408-7669. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
6: First, we know a PCR test would not be viable because that PCR can stay positive for up to 12 weeks, for months and months.
7: If they were more readily available in this country, would you have included a testing requirement after that five-day period? So, to
6: be clear, we have—we did not include a testing requirement in isolation because we were not clear—it was not clear what we would do with the information when we had it. This really had nothing to do with supply. It had everything to do with knowing what we would do with the information when
9: we got it.
3: That is uh, Dr. Rochelle Walensky. She is the director of the CDC on CBS, talking about the lack of testing requirements in the CDC's COVID guidance, not because of short supply. My name is Joe Kelly. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. BK is going to be back with us on Monday. You can join me at 866-408-7669. Let's go to uh, Rick, who is here in Orlando, Florida, listening to... Uh, Brian's flagship station here in Central Florida, WDBO. Hey, Rick, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show.
8: Hey, Joe. How you doing, buddy? V- very good, uh, Real quick question. Uh, First-time caller, long-time listener to y'all. <laughs> uh, glad you've taken over for Brian and everything. Now, I just really wanted to talk about the uh, orange dropping and stuff, and they're talking about working on the building and stuff. I really think it has a lot to do with Jerry Deming's he's the one who's just like joe biden, anthony Fauci and them, just trying to hold people back and, you know, keep them uh, apart from each other and stuff. I, I just think it's him who's behind all this. Why now, can't let me, they let move me explain somewhere else. Rick, and let Rick, the, for the uh, benefit of start. our
3: for the benefit of our listeners who don't know who Jerry Deming's is. He is the mayor of Orange County. Uh, the county seat for or Orlando uh, we are in the middle of Orange County, thus the orange that drops and and i don't i don't know the genesis of why the orange is not going to drop, but I do know that the bar uh, that hosts the orange, which is a bar called latitudes uh they had a mishap on the rooftop it 's a rooftop bar that has a giant orange on top of it, and some months ago the the wood. Uh, slats on the top of the roof started to uh, give way and somebody I'm told somebody fell through part of it I don't know if they were hurt or not but they had to completely redo the top of the bar and I see this time and I live right next door to it so I see it every day through my parking garage and uh, they they they're building it with steel girders rather than wood and it has been the slowest construction I've ever seen and it just seems as if Latitudes is not going to be open, so they're not going to drop the ball. But I would argue, and especially if you look at the picture, uh, at Talk Radio Joe, it's on all the social media. If you look at the picture, you can see that the orange could still be dropped. And and there will still be, though, Rick, there are going to be people out on the streets partying all night because we don't have any restrictions on that.
8: Right. Well, I understand that. But you would think they would, they've known this is going on for a while, why couldn't they just take, and do something somewhere else, uh, down around yeah, I was, Street or somewhere. I, agree.
3: I was I was a little little surprised that they waited until New Year's Week uh to to announce you know two days before new year's eve to say that they're not going to drop the orange and not for covid reasons honestly i think it would make better sense if they just said covid reasons because the whole construction thing is just a very very lame excuse rick thank you so much maybe we'll we'll get together on new year's eve and just drop and drop an orange on our own let's go to pennsylvania lewis is joining us here on the brian Kilmead show hello lewis how are you
9: Hey Joe, I appreciate your show. You're doing a fine job for Brian. Thank you. Uh, Listening uh, regularly, I just want to tell you that I worked on the border back in uh, 40 years ago. Okay, 45 years ago, I worked on both sides, and uh, I just want to tell you that it was bad then. There was a lot of migration that was it was illegal. There was a lot of prostitution. There was a lot of drug traffic, and you know nothing gets by our Hot, very high government officials, they knew a lot of this was going on, and there's a lot of them that benefited from it there' thirty five thousand registered lobbyists in d c so uh, you know a lot of them stood in the way, in the way of putting up a wall but i 'm here to tell you that i 'm willing to give two three hundred bucks out of my own pocketbook to, to voluntarily help put that wall up and, and, and guard it with volunteers
3: well as, as the case is always uh, there 's nothing that stops you from writing a check to the u s treasury. Though, uh, where and how that money gets spent is unfortunately not up to you. That is up to the government to decide how and where that kind of money gets spent, Lewis. So that I don't know that that would help.
9: It would. If you go through private property, I don't think they can do anything uh, against you. I think all along that border, go back a, maybe a couple hundred yards and put it up in private property. I don't think they can do a thing against you.
3: Lewis, thank you so much. I'm so glad you're listening. Thank you so much for calling. I got to tell you, you know, as disappointed as we uh, can be, as jaded as we can be when it comes to our government leaders, as angry as we can be when it comes to issues like immigration, can we at least take a moment to appreciate the fact that so many people would risk their lives to come to the United States? That does not flow in the opposite direction. People don't leave here. They want to be here.
2: From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hey, my name is Joe Kelly for Brian Kilmeade today. BK is going to be back on Monday. You can join me here on the Brian Kilmeade Show at 866-408-7669. You'll find me at Talk Radio Joe, pretty much anywhere on social media, at Talk Radio Joe. There's TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, and what am I, I'm sure I'm leaving out some, but you'll find me at Talk Radio Joe if you're so inclined. Uh, we've got still quite a bit to, to talk about coming up in this half hour. We're going to get into a little bit of the the mental health aspects of the the continued lockdowns and COVID and everything else. We're going to get into that coming up in just a moment. I did just see this this study. On the lighter side, it is, after all, the week between Christmas and New Year's, and nobody wants to take things too terribly seriously. Researchers in Australia have concluded that in the real world, superhero powerful characters are going to be more prone to dementia, life-changing physical injuries, and disability because of their exposure to loud noises, air pollution, and head injuries. Well, we know that Hawkeye has already lost his hearing. Oh, hang on. Hashtag spoiler alert if you watch Hawkeye on disney plus he already has hearing issues uh they say as an example the incredible hulk's heart problems he would uh, he would have heart problems excessive weight N- near constant anger means he's at risk for a range of chronic diseases black widows traumatic childhood means she's more likely to become physically and mentally ill in later life uh, and then uh, superheroes, though, on the plus side are positive, they're optimistic, they're resilient. That's good. But with the exception of Thor and Iron Man, most of them don't drink heavily. Uh, Thor Thor certainly let himself go. And uh, but and clearly Thor, in all seriousness, the character was suffering from PTSD. I mean, half of humanity, half of the universe disappeared And Thor blamed himself. How do you not have PTSD from something like that? And with that in mind, I want to welcome into, excuse me, the discussion here, uh, Dr. Tom Kirsting, and Dr. Tom, I might have a drink of water while you say hello. Hey,
10: Joe, how are you? Um, Happy now that I've had a drink
3: of water. I'm great, thank you. Uh, Dr. Tom Kirsting is a psychotherapist. He is the author of "Disconnected: How to Protect Your Kids from the Harmful Effects." of device dependency. And and we'll get into a little bit of the device dependency coming up in a moment. Uh, but I want to get into chemical dependency first. Uh, you know, during this pandemic, we have seen uh, alcohol sales go through the roof. We have seen uh, the the spike in uh, illicit and illegal drug use and drug deaths, drug overdose deaths. I mean, kind of give us a a snapshot here, if you will, from 30,000 feet of the the mental health effects of not just the fear of catching COVID, but the anxiety of lockdowns and face masks and everything else. Well, yeah, it comes down to, you know, basic humanity, Joe. So human beings as
10: mammals, we are, I've talked about this many times, we're social, emotional beings. So, you know, it's, it's in biologically in us to be out and about engaging with, you know, our fellow humans, working. We're not meant to be cooped up in a cage. And that's sort of of what has happened. It's this sort of lockdown mentality over the last year, almost two years, where people have sort of been removed from society. And, you know, when you look at some of the recent studies, um, there's actually a global study with 48 data sources that found a worldwide increase of more than 129 million cases of major depression and anxiety compared to pre-pandemic numbers. And with kids, um, you know, we've talked about this as well. Uh, the suicide rate among um, suicide attempt rate among girls, aged 12 and 17, has gone up 51 percent since the pandemic. And emergency room visits for mental health emergencies for kids ages 5 and 11 is up 24 percent and 31 percent for kids 12 to 17. Dr. So Christine, right I mean,
3: I'm so sorry. And, and I know we use this term a lot these days, but that sounds like an epidemic of of suicide.
10: Well, it is. I mean, that number has been climbing steadily for many years uh, prior to COVID, but it's gone up even more. And a lot of it is tied to social media. You know, kids spend the majority of their waking hours in front of a screen. And what are they digesting all day long? I mean, just look at the things happening with riots, you know, people going berserk on planes. Um, you know, they're fed, you know, all of this, you know, vitriol, cancel culture hatred. Uh, and that certainly seeps into their mind and, and creates these behaviors as well, that we're seeing.
3: You know, there has been a policy in the media for a very long time in the news media that generally speaking, we don't report suicides. And I, and I think that's frankly partly to blame. I think, I think we need to have more discussions about suicides and not less uh, when, when people choose to take their own lives for whatever reason. I mean, that has such a massive effect on people left behind, people that only wish they would have known that there was a problem.
10: Yeah, and, and it really is terrible. I mean, especially, you know, considering when you look at data that the suicide rate um, among even younger kids, as young as 10, 11 years old, uh, we're seeing that now. And that is just terrifying to think that a 10 or 11-year-old's life is that terrible, uh, that they're, they're actually considering taking their own life. And I think a lot of that is just, you know, again, they're immersed even at that age, you know, with constant deluge of information constant exposure, you know, to to the not great things coming from social media and so forth that is penetrating their vulnerable subconsciouses.
3: You know, I think about when when some of us were younger before social media, before cell phones, before everything, if you wanted to see uh, a picture of somebody. I mean, you literally had to get a camera and go take a picture, have film developed. But I mean, it just wasn't a common thing to have that kind of access. And for anybody who doesn't think that parenting today is harder than it ever has been, you're, you're just dead wrong. Uh, parenting today has so many other distractions than it ever has before. And parents have bigger challenges than ever before, uh, in large part because of those, those devices.
10: Yeah, I mean, that's my, my book, Disconnected. That, that, the book covers all of that. You know, and the, the book came out a little over a year ago and really, you know, delves deep into, you know, the fact that the average kid spends eight hours a day in front of a screen, which is more than they sleep on average. It's actually more than any other life activity. So what is the mind? What is mental health? Well, mental health is what is what we are exposed to, right? What we see, what is being driven into our mind. So a strong, powerful mental well-being really, believe it or not, requires a lot of boredom
3: a lot of silence. I talk a lot about that,
10: and that's not something that kids or even adults nowadays have much experience with at all, Joe.
3: Well, that is a great observation. Yeah, we don't have a whole lot of downtime these days because we always have a phone in front of us that that can allow us to, and even little things. I have found like uh, I love to read my Bible. I read Scripture, but I I cannot read the Bible app, even though it's a great app, and I'll use it as reference from time to time, but. If I have a Bible that I am reading on my phone and suddenly I get a text message or I suddenly have a thought about Facebook or Instagram or I got a great idea for a TikTok, video, whatever it is, I mean, I've got to put the phone away and grab my the printed Bible and read that instead and have that alone, quiet time with a book.
10: Yeah, that's another thing. I'm glad you brought that up, Joe, because when you look at, you know, it's almost like God, you hear cancel culture. I mean, God is even being canceled. Uh, like, you know, my daughter, who's a freshman in high school, they alternate, you know, teachers that get on the mic and say the Pledge of Allegiance. And she texts me about three weeks ago that uh, one of the teachers, when they were, you know, citing the Pledge of Allegiance, replaced, you know, one nation under God with one nation under all. And, you know, my contention there is that, you know, what does God represent? God represents all that is good. Um, so what happens when you turn turn the lights off? You have darkness. What happens when you turn God off? Well, you have everything we're seeing in our society right now.
3: Well, and that All goes back riots. to, yeah, trans- transparency things. issues. I mean, I, I'd like to know if my kids are not being given the the proper version of the Pledge of Allegiance. And something that really hit close to home, and, and to kind of accentuate your point about teenagers, uh, my three teenagers are on a cruise ship right now with uh, my ex-wife, with their mom. And, of course, I'm worried about COVID on the ship with my kids, but on—, on one of these returning cruise ships coming back to Miami this week, a 15-year-old kid jumped off of the, the upper deck railing as a suicide. He killed himself on a ship. And, of course, my heart dropped because I've got two 15-year-old sons, twins, on a cruise ship right now. And to think that a 15-year-old on a cruise ship felt he had no option other than to climb over a railing and jump.
10: Yeah, that, that is just, I mean, I hate to hear stories like that. And, um, you know, one thing I tell people, Joe, all the time is, I mean, you have 15-year-olds. I have a 15- and 18-year-old. So when you look at that age group, even middle school, you know, 6th, 7th, 8th graders, you know, where, where are they? Anybody listening right now knows they're in their bedroom by themselves most of the time. This is yeah. what's going on before COVID. So one thing that I talk about that I say in my book is we got to get our kids out of the bedrooms and into the family rooms. So parents really need, and I'm sure you do this, I do as well, We have to have our kids in our presence. That's why we have family rooms. Bedrooms are for sleeping. Family rooms are for family getting together.
3: TVs TVs go in family rooms, not in bedrooms. Yeah, just being together and communicating is
10: probably the best thing for kids' mental well-being.
3: We're talking to Dr. Tom Kirsting. He is a psychotherapist. He's the author of Disconnected, How to Protect Your Kids from the Harmful Effects of Device Dependency. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly at Talk Radio Joe. You can join us at 866-408-7669. I I remember this conversation so vividly in my head. I listen to Brian Kilmeade every day, and and I was listening uh, back during Easter time. And Brian was interviewing Fox News anchor Bill Hemmer. And they were talking about things that they give up for Lent. And Bill Hemmer said to Brian Kilmeade, every year I give up alcohol for Lent. But he said, because of the pandemic, I'm not giving up alcohol this year. And I got to tell you, that really hit a chord for me because I'm, I'm not a big drinker. But I will tell you that, that my drinking during the pandemic – has increased, uh, not decreased, and and that is the case for a whole lot of people.
10: A hundred percent. I mean, you, you look at the rates of, you know, the amount of alcohol sales. I was just looking at that yesterday. In fact, I forget what the number is, but it has soared during the pandemic. And it just goes to show you that, from, you know, people get, when you're home with not much going on, you kind of get bored and your brain is searching for a little hit of something, you know, some, like a dopamine hit. And that's um, yeah, what alcohol does. It's well, number one, it, I mean, it, it, you know, it gets you, you know, in slightly intoxicated or buzz, but it also does, you know, offset anxiety and stress and so forth. But it's not a good thing, you know, for self-medicating with alcohol. And that's what we've got to be careful of.
3: So, uh, Dr. Thomas, for for people who are listening right now and they're thinking, man, I am just at wit's end. I am freaking out. I I've got anxiety. I'm, I'm suffering from depression. Of course, a lot of people don't realize they're suffering from those things when they are suffering from those things. They may just think they're sick or something else is wrong with them. Um, there are a lot of options. And with the rise of the pandemic, we've seen a lot of of video options when it comes to therapy. Is, is that... For for people who maybe are too scared to go out in public, maybe they have too much anxiety about waiting in a waiting room for a psychotherapist or some sort of psychological help. I mean, is, is video visits with a doctor a good alternative?
10: It is, yeah. The teletherapy, it sure is. I mean, it, it, nothing beats in office, but just to have somebody – you know, neutral outside of the family, you know, that you could talk to and open up to that's a professional that can hear you and give you the right direction and advice. Um, I would encourage anybody that's really struggling to do that. And, and furthermore, mm-hmm. um, you know, probably one of the most important things that we can do, you know, during these times is to literally is to just walk out the front door, yeah. leave your phone at home, go for a walk, be present with nature, sit down, learn how to, how to, how to direct your thoughts instead of being controlled by your thoughts. And be in the present moment. We can't just be sitting around distracting ourselves all day long.
3: You had me me there, Dr. Kirsting, until you said, leave your phone at home. (laughs) I was like, okay, yeah, I got this. I'll go for a walk. Wait, what? I can't leave my phone at home. What if there's an emergency? Well, I know. That's the other
10: thing that's been kind of, you know, what did people do 20 years ago, right? And and 20,000 years prior to that. We didn't, you know, we've become, these things have become like, you know, like the umbilical cord.
3: You're, yeah, not, wrong. You're yeah. not wrong. You're not wrong. As my bosses will tell you that uh, most days in the middle of my shift, I will get up and walk outside, and I will take about two or three laps around the building just to clear my head. And And I'll often bring a, a scripture with me, just something to study, just to clear my head uh, for for mental health purposes.
10: Well, you know, uh, cardiovascular exercise, a lot of people don't know this. You know, going for a job, going for a run, going for a bike, doing that regularly. Is either as effective or more effective for the treatment of anxiety and depression than medication?
3: Yeah, that might be a bridge because too far for sound. me. For exercise, <laughs>
10: no, it's something I do on a, pretty much on a daily basis, and so it keeps my brain sharp, my emotions
3: strong, uh, and my outcomes, you know, well. Good for you, Dr. Thomas Kersting. Again, check out his book. Uh, it is Disconnected, How to Protect Your Kids from the Harmful Effects of Device Dependency. Dr. Tom, thank you so much for your time and sharing your thoughts with us, and I hope you have a great New Year's.
10: You too, Joe. Thank you. Appreciate it. You.
3: It, it is The Brian Kilmeade Show. You're listening to that, and you can join us at 866-408-7669. How are you coping? Uh, is it alcohol? Is it something else? Is it exercise? What do you do to cope with uh your mental health during this time. And and on this I know there are people who want to say, Oh, you're just weak. You're this, that or the other. I'm sorry, but there is an epidemic of people dealing with mental health issues right now. And if if you think it doesn't exist, Try to engage your family members a little bit more and, and see, see where it does, in fact, exist. It's out there. You just might have to ask a few questions of your loved ones to find it. We will continue here on The Brian Kilmeade Show at 866-408-7669. I'm Joe Kelly. You can get more information about Brian. Just go to briankilmeadeshow.com.
2: Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: All right, this is weird. I I just got a text message from my wife, and she says, Have you seen the dog bowl? And i got to be honest with you, I didn't even know our dog could do that. So I'm going to have to at some point check that out for sure. My name is Joe Kelly. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. You can join us at 866-408-7669. Uh, Coming up in a moment, we're going to talk to Dale Ketchum from Space Florida. You know, I'm here in Orlando. Uh, Orlando is the Space Coast. Uh, We launch those rockets from the Kennedy Space Center. That is about an hour to our east. Uh, from Orlando. Uh, I think I can make it in about 42 minutes. <laughs> I was out that way yesterday, actually, doing some fishing and enjoying the sunshine and 85 degrees we had in, in Orlando yesterday. And it's going to be about the same today, sunshine and 85 here in the Florida Freedom Zone. Uh, we welcome all comers. Just make sure you check your politics at the door as you come across the border. Uh, we like it uh, pretty much the way that it is at this particular moment. Anybody following Jeopardy in the last few weeks? This is really interesting. So uh, my my wife's grandson, which so I've just recently started a blended family. So my wife's grandson, does that make it my grandson also? Uh, Can I get a ruling on that, uh, Pete? Is that is that the case? So if if it's my wife's grandson, it's also my grandson, right? I think that's the case. So he is uh, staying with us and we're watching Jeopardy last night. And my wife and I both know about the Jeopardy winner, Amy Schneider. Amy Schneider is transgender. She was born a man and is now a woman. And as we were watching, I, I, I could tell my wife and I were both thinking the same thing. It's like, I wonder if our grandson is going to notice this. And we didn't say anything leading into it, but he did say, wow, she has a really deep voice. And that's when I was like, okay, let me pause this. And that became a teachable moment, so I ex- explained to him. So as we send him back to his parents, he is going to have learned what transgender means. Sorry, Mom and Dad, I taught the grandkid what transgender is. They'll have to cope with that at some point. The more you listen, the more
2: you'll know. It's Brian Kilmead.
3: Hey, I'm Joe Kelly in for Brian Kilmeade. Brian is going to be back with you on Monday. If you're tuning in just to hear Brian's voice, uh, that'll be Monday. You can join me at 866-408-7669. I'm Joe Kelly uh, here at uh, Brian's flagship in Central Florida, WDBO. That stands for Way down by Orlando. Yeah, that's what it stands for. And we're here in the Florida Freedom Zone and enjoying this very much. Uh, uh, Coming up in a moment, we're going to talk a little bit about space travel, space exploration here from the Space Coast. First, though, I want to jump back to the phones here at 866-408-7669. Let's go to uh, line three. Stryker is joining us in Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, Stryker, you're on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
8: Well, thank you, Joe. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. It's an honor to be on here. Thank you. So, your comment, you're welcome. Your comment, you walk and you read Scripture to meditate on. Yes. And that struck a chord in my heart because I do that. I do three things. I read Scripture, I pray, and then I serve others. Uh, My pastor taught me growing up in, in Memphis that there's no problem in life that can't find some solution in service to others. And so, I've tried to make that a part of my life, uh, especially during this COVID time, is to serve others. And as a pastor here in Jacksonville, I pastor a biker church. Uh, There's a lot of opportunity to serve others. There certainly is.
3: Yeah. And honestly, I think you're right. When it comes to mental health, uh, you know, I live in the heart of downtown Orlando. So I live in the heart of uh, despondent people, people who are struggling, people who are homeless or they live a homeless lifestyle. and And I see it every day. And and I I don't have any problem at all walking the streets and striking up conversations with them and getting to know them and helping them in ways that I can, you know, other other than you know just handing money to people.
8: Well, we Christmas Eve we found out, my wife and I found out about a little nine year old girl here in Jacksonville that had no Christmas, and her her stepmom uh, had a disease that's wasting mm. her body away. And was just despondent, didn't know what to do.
9: Yeah.
8: Uh, no hope, no help. And so we had the honor, and I took a, another friend with me that's going through a really tough time himself. And uh, we went and delivered Christmas to this little girl and to the mother as well. And uh, she just began to weep and cry. And, and I said, Can I pray with you? And uh, she wrote me later on, and, uh, you know, just a very kind note, but. It, it was about helping her, but it was also about helping my friend, you know, create moments of light in his life. Well, a lot of moments in, of dark yeah. darkness there.
3: Absolutely. Stryker, thank you so much. God bless you. I'm glad you called. Uh, let's uh, switch over here. I want to. We're going to switch gears. I want to go to Dale Ketchum. Dale is joining us. We've known Dale for years now. Dale Ketchum is the uh, Space Florida Vice President of Government and External Relations. Big fancy title, big long business card. It's like to be continued on next business card. Dale, thanks for joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. How are you? I'm doing very good, sir. Thank you. So this is a such an exciting time right now for space exploration for especially for those of us here on the space coast. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, everything I knew about space travel and about the space coast I learned from watching i dream of genie uh so i i when i when I found out that there's a real cocoa beach when I was a kid, I was like, "Oh, I gotta go to cocoa beach uh but but our space industry here maybe has never been hotter than it is right now. Would you agree?
11: Oh, there's no question. There's more going on right now. I mean, we're not quite at the point of accomplishing what we did when we landed the first man on the moon uh, in a big competition with the Soviet Union, but there's so much more different things going on, uh, and exploration remains a big part of it, but there's so much more going on and so many different companies and actors, and it's now just, not just us and the Soviet Union. Uh, the big competitor is China, and in many ways, they're much more formidable than the Soviet Union. Uh, but there's there's just a lot going on. It's a very exciting time to be in this business.
3: I, um, I remember when the space shuttle was retired, and I know that a lot of people here in central Florida were fearful that that was it. That was the end of the— of the good old days, and when it was floated that we would be handing over a whole lot of the space exploration to private companies. There was a lot of doubt, but uh, now a few years later, it certainly seems that that has worked wonders.
11: Uh, No question about it. it. It began under President Bush, who decided that providing cargo to the International Space Station shouldn't be done by NASA anymore. It should be turned over to the private sector. And then uh, President Obama doubled down on that and said, we're going to let the private sector put our astronauts to the International Space Station. That drew a lot of heat. And then uh, President Trump uh, canceled a a big NASA program for a big lunar rover and turned it over to a bunch of commercial providers who were – um, building uh, small rovers and hoppers and landers for the moon, and those will launch for the first time next year. So all of this commercial sector activity is getting the job done uh, much faster and much cheaper than it would have been had it been purely a government program. So that, that's that's a big part of the excitement.
3: Yet there are still government programs, and the the biggest one that comes to mind for me is one that is – quite literally unfolding as we speak the the James Webb telescope. I, I stopped biting my fingernails when I was a child, but I have restarted biting my fingernails until this James Webb telescope is completely functional.
11: Uh yes, there I there are a lot of people who are going to be aging rapidly until <laughs> this is done. Um, there are so many steps that need to happen perfectly in order to get this 10 billion dollar telescope to work properly but that's one of the reasons why it took so long and cost as much is the the testing and and we won't know until I think it was 29 days after launch before it'll they'll be able to declare victory um, but we're sometime early summer they expect it to actually start producing the photographs and the images that we've spent this ten billion dollars on but it's 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 going to. There's every expectation that is going to leave the scientists absolutely gobsmacked as we we start to see the deep parts of the universe, which up until now have only we could only imagine what's there. And if, if the Hubble telescope is any measure, um, it's it's going to rewrite our understanding of the universe we live in. So it, it's got everybody really excited.
3: And is is the Hubble nearing its expiration?
11: Yes, it's been up there a long time um and staying in space for a long time even though ostensibly there's nothing up there there's still uh, it, it's it's a difficult environment to endure. Um it's been a spectacular success uh but it like everything else it it has a shelf life. Yep. And yep. we're fast approaching that. So uh we're going we're going to get everything we can out of it. BUT EVENTUALLY THEY'RE GOING TO HAVE TO TURN IT OFF AND EITHER PUT IT INTO DEEP SPACE OR DEORBIT IT INTO THE PACIFIC.
3: We're talking to Dale Ketchum. He is with Space Florida here in Central Florida, out there on the Space Coast, out in, in Titusville, and in, at the Kennedy Space Center, and all these, these wonderful communities there along our Atlantic shoreline. You can join us at 866-408-7669. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. Filling in for Brian one more day today. BK is going to be back with you on Monday. And, Dale, I want to express what I think is going to be an unpopular opinion um, I, I think that, that Elon Musk has done some amazing things when it comes to space exploration and travel, but I'm a little concerned about the Starlink internet satellites with his plan to put in like literally 40,000 of those satellites. Uh, is that not going to make it difficult to launch other rockets and other satellites if, if so many of that, that space is taken up by those satellites? Um, it, it's a challenge, but I, I
11: it, his, uh, 30, 40,000 satellites are going to be more than matched by others who are planning to do the same thing. They're, they're looking to be, you know, literally in, in, in the hundreds of thousands of satellites planned over the next couple of decades, but it's also very much the case that, I don't know how you say this without looking, sounding goofy, there's a, there's a great deal of space in space, <laughs> um, and it, it, it's not so much that it will be crowded. The challenge is the management, but there were a lot of concerns as, you know, if you had asked people, uh, you know, 50 years ago, if they knew there were going to be tens of thousands of aircraft in the air at any given time, they would have said, well, you can't do that. They're going to run into one another. Well, no, they don't. Uh, it's it's a management function. It's a challenge for technology and policy. Now, but it, the, it can be done. It I don't can know. Be done well.
3: I don't. I don't know to what extent we trust or believe the, the Chinese when they tell us something they have a state-run media after all. But the Chinese claim uh, that that they're mad at Elon Musk because they claim they had to move their space station to avoid a collision with one of Elon Musk's satellites. Is there a way to verify something like that?
11: Um. I've not yet seen verification of that. Uh, I, like you, am a little suspect of anything that comes out of the Chinese Communist Party. Um, but I, I will also – I do not know if that was an issue. If, if they were concerned about that, they shouldn't have done their anti-satellite tests a couple of years ago that uh, created quite a debris
3: field. Now, uh, a, 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 a and and I'm I'm so sorry. Address the debris issue because because satellites in and of themselves, well, they're kind of debris. But then we have actual debris debris from destroyed uh, from destroyed satellites, from tools that that got let go in orbit. I mean, there there is a lot of junk in space.
11: Correct. No, there's there's literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of pieces of debris up there. Um, you know, even down to a paint chip, but a, a paint chip moving at 19,000 miles an hour can be, cause a bad day for somebody. And uh, the, 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 I think what the market is driving, and we're going to see, I believe this year will be one of the first tests of technology. The market is basically driving. Um, technology development to begin to clean up that debris field, as well as new policies that mandate if you put a satellite up there, you have an obligation. Before you get a license to put it up there, you have to demonstrate that you will either be able to deorbit or to put it in a very, very high orbit so it's out of the way of regular business. Um, and that's long overdue, but we're getting there. The challenge really is who should be paying for debris removal? there there's not a market yet for that but there's also it's a requirement we're going to need to do it and the marketplace is an amazing um uh, amazing phenomenon so i'm pretty sure a market will come up because at the end of the day there's a lot of uh, material there's a lot of precious metals uh and stuff with, that can be redeployed to building things in space so you there's, know, you know I- and
3: As you well know, our oceans, Dale, are a mess, and we have yet to clean up our our oceans, uh, and they're a lot closer than space is. I mean, are you talking about, like, ships that would have nets that would help round up all this debris?
11: I will be honest with you. I have yet to put my head around exactly how that would be done. Okay. But –
3: That makes me feel better because I can't imagine it either. (laughs)
11: Yeah, but there are, well, and they're starting with simple things. There are things that is very easy that we know we can do because in particular, there's some large Russian second stages that have been floating around up there and they need to be deorbited because if they get hit, they produce, you know, they can produce a thousand other pieces of debris. So you start with the low hanging fruit. The challenge is, Technically, they're still the property of Russia or the Soviet Union or however long they've been up there, and so you run into issues of who has title. Can you take that and oh, deorbit it? Right. Um, so it, it gets it complex, not only technically but legally. But again, the, the marketplace is going to drive us to fix those problems. So we we will. I we're just don't to, know what it's going to look like.
3: We're talking to Dale Ketchum from Space Florida. Uh, my name is Joe Kelly. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, we're with WDBO here in Orlando, and of course, the Space Coast is is uh, right here in our very own backyard. Uh, we can get to the Kennedy Space Center from Orlando. It's about a forty five minute drive to the east. It's lovely out there. They've got great tours at the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, in fact, honestly, I, I, I got to be honest, the first time I went to the Kennedy Space Center. I was like, man, you know, I, I don't know how exciting this is going to be, and I was so 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 wrong. It is such. <clears throat> You know if you if you think about Orlando and you're thinking Disney and SeaWorld World and, and Universal you have got to go to the Kennedy Space Center, even with the kids. There's plenty of stuff for the kids to do there, too. It is a phenomenal tourist uh, opportunity for you here in Central Florida. We're going to continue with Dale Ketchum because, Dale, I want to get into space tourism, sending humans up into space as as tourists. We'll get into that coming up next on The Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. You can join us at 866-408-7669.
2: Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmead. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmead.
3: I am not gonna sing, I'm not gonna sing on the radio, I'm not gonna sing on Brian Kilmead's show. Ow! Werewolves of London. I love this song. Alright, my name is Joe Kelly. Filling in for Brian Kilmeade. You can join us at 866-408-7669. My guest is Dale Ketchum with Space Florida. Uh, and of course, being here in Orlando, uh, space is important to us. I don't know if you guys realize this, but in Orlando, depending on the day, uh, as long as the skies are relatively clear, we can see the rocket launches from Cinderella's castle at Magic Kingdom. I mean, that's how close it is. We can see the rocket launches right here. Uh, and I can see them from the radio station. It's, it's it's an awesome, awesome sight to see. And Dale, more and more people are going to be seeing rocket launches, uh, perhaps from inside the rockets as space tourism ramps up. Let's see. We've had William Shatner. We've had uh, Michael Strahan. Uh, the dude from Amazon, a a bunch of others. I mean, what is the future of space tourism, particularly as it relates here in Florida?
11: Well, it's really, um, it's an exciting time. People have been talking about space tourism for a very long time. Actually, the first space tourist was a gentleman named Dennis Tito, who flew on a Soviet Soyuz capsule up to the International Space Station, but that was 20-plus years ago. And the Russians have been doing it on and off and making some money doing that. Um, But there's been a lot of pushback from the international partners on the space station. But now it's becoming more prevalent. And whether it's Virgin Galactic with Richard Branson in New Mexico uh, with horizontal takeoff and landing or Jeff Bezos with his Blue Origin New Shepard out in West Texas uh, with vertical takeoff and landing, um, it's starting to, it, you know, effectively it began last year, or excuse me, this year. And next year we're going to see an increasing frequency, or an increasing launch cadence, and an increasing number of people who will have been able to go up and see and appreciate the view the, where you really get to see the blackness of space, the curvature of the Earth. The thin veneer of the atmosphere. Dale,
3: I've got I've got like thirty it. I've got like thirty seconds here. So instead of rockets, sure. tell us tell us real quick about
11: the balloon. The balloon is a neat one. Space perspectives is the name of it, and that one is going to have a gondola, and it's going to slowly take you up to uh, not quite that point, but you're going to get. You're going to be able to see the blackness of space and appreciate the curvature of the Earth. And the neat thing with that gondola is it's going to come with a bar. So
5: you can sit there
3: with a cocktail and enjoy that view. Now we're finally talking. Dale Ketchum, Space Florida. Dale, thank you so much. It is certainly an exciting time to be here on the Space Coast and to watch these launches. You should come check it out someday.
2: Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Well,
3: I'm sure the wires run through New York City, but they originate, at least today, in Orlando, Florida. That's where I'm broadcasting from, Orlando, Florida. My name is Joe Kelly, and I'm filling in for Brian Kilmeade today. Uh, I am the news director at WDBO Radio in Orlando, and it is gorgeous down here today. It's going to be sunny in 85. We had a little bit of fog this morning. It was sunny in 85 yesterday. I went fishing yesterday. By the way, I didn't catch a single thing. But honestly, a, a uh, what is it that they say? A bad day fishing is better than a good day working or whatever the case may be. Uh, it was so gorgeous yesterday. We had a light breeze, sunshine, 85. It was absolutely amazing here in the Florida Freedom Zone uh, yesterday. And as I went out to the park and went fishing with some family and friends, uh, there was no sign, no concern, no discussion about COVID whatsoever. Uh, that's And that is honestly most days in Florida for most of us is uh, COVID is not a big, big part of our lives right now. It was in the early days, and it may be again, but for the most part, we have a lot of freedom to move about here. Uh, in florida without having to get caught up on wearing masks or mandates or other things like that Uh, but i do want to talk about covid how it's affecting parts of the rest of the nation and some other things that are perhaps getting ignored in the process Uh, i want you to hear from uh, dr joseph ladapo he was on tucker last night on the fox news channel and he was talking about uh, antibody treatment uh, and the antibody treatment is outpacing the supply Uh, in Florida. We don't
7: have enough supply in Florida. Here is Dr. Ladapo. This is a wave that's affecting many parts of the country. So we have a situation in Florida and other states where the demand for treatment is outpacing the supply. So that's the bottom line. Floridians, fortunately, in this state, they know that, you know, if they test positive and they have risk factors, they don't just go home. They should come and get treatment. And that's the message that we've, we've shared with Floridians. So right now, we still have enough supply for the capacity that we do have within our sites, but the demand exceeds that. Dr. Joseph Ladapo, he is the Florida
3: Surgeon General, and by some by some measures, by, by some people, he is a controversial uh, Surgeon General. I want to welcome into the fold here Dr. Jeanette Nishwat, and uh, Dr. Jeanette, I'm told that you have uh, found a, a quiet place at an airport, and we appreciate you so much joining us and, and taking some time to be able to talk to Brian's audience uh, here today, so thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure to be with you today, and, and Happy New Year to you. Thank you so much. And I, before we get into things like antibody treatments and stuff, I want to get into uh, the, the the medical issues that perhaps have been ignored during this process. You know, some people said, oh, there's no flu season. Well, there is a flu season. It's just that people perhaps are ignoring the, the flu that does exist. But other people with with bumps and lumps and coughs and scrapes and breaks and and this, that, and the other— a lot of people are ignoring their health care during this pandemic.
1: Yeah, and then that's the wrong thing to do, Joe. Let's not neglect, for example, heart disease. That's the number one killer in the United States. If you're having chest pain, if you need that um, you know, routine stress test, um, that's important to go and get. If you need your mammogram and your colonoscopy, we can't ignore that. Right now we're dealing with COVID, but it comes in waves, and we shouldn't let it control and rule our lives. And you're absolutely right. We're in flu season as well, and so it's important to focus on other diseases. If you pick up the flu, you can go and get a prescription for Tamiflu. We have the flu shot, and then there's other viruses as well, RSV and rhinovirus and adenovirus. So it's important not to put all our eggs in one basket and focus solely on coronavirus. We still need to you know, manage and take care of other aspects of medicine that most Americans suffer from, asthma, diabetes, heart disease, cancers, that sort of thing.
3: And, and pediatric uh, as well. I mean, there's a lot of kids whose yep. parents are just hesitant to take them to the doctor at this time or thinking maybe they won't get in or thinking that's where COVID is. I don't want to take my kids to where COVID is. No,
1: and, and that's important. we got to still continue to provide the care that our children need. You know, doctors' offices, emergency rooms, urgent cares. We're well aware of, you know, potential spread. So we take all the precautions um, necessary to keep patients well and ensure that they don't pick up other viruses and diseases. You know, we have a sick, sick uh, area. We have a well-visit area. We ensure that people um, wear their masks if they're in the sick area so they don't spread to others. But it's very important, especially with children, we're seeing an increase in pediatric uh, hospitalizations with children. So it's very important to take your child and if you're concerned um, about an illness or disease because a lot of the, the symptoms overlap with, you know, flu, whether whether it's rhinovirus, a common cold, strep throat, um, they, they can overlap with COVID symptoms. So we want to know what we're dealing with and what, and what your child has so we can appropriately manage and treat them and get them feeling better.
3: We're talking to Dr. Jeanette Nishwat. She is a Fox News medical contributor, a family and emergency medical doctor. You can follow her at Dr. Jeanette. Uh, And for for people who are still vaccine hesitant, people who don't want to get the vaccine, how do you reach how do you reach those people who maybe are avoiding the vaccine for bogus reasons? You know, I'm sure there are some people have good, uh, uh, you know, great reasons to not get the vaccine, but some people uh, maybe are misinformed.
1: You know, uh, Joe, so let's just be realistic and honest. There are going to be some people, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, you just can't get through to them. But what I do is with my patients, I just continue to kindly educate and encourage and provide the information and and make sure that they know what to do if they ever do pick up covid um, and i, I continue to, to give them the data you know for example pfizer fully fda approved we have over 7 billion would it be people on this planet who have been vaccinated and yeah side effects can occur but serious side effects are rare and we know that the benefits outweigh the risk but especially uh, important to understand the majority of people not all of them but the majority of those who are hospitalized who are dying are still the unvaccinated. And especially if you're over the age of 60 um, and you're not vaccinated, you're at high risk of complications, no matter what the variant uh, is. So and also if you have underlying medical disease, medical conditions, even higher risk. Obesity, diabetes, heart disease, lung disease, if you're undergoing, you know, chemotherapy, you're at higher risk. So you just want to know your risk and take the appropriate action to protect yourself
3: dr neshwat i i don't want to draw you into a political discussion that is that is not why you're here but i but i do have a question about how do we know who we can believe what are trusted sources you know there are some people who uh have 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 absolutely solved all of the world's problems with their own research on google they've looked things up and they have found what they wanted to find about the vaccine uh but but You know, we've got government leaders that have low trust ratings. We've got government leaders who have changed answers, who have changed positions. It just gets to a point at which when we hear news stories, it's hard to know who to trust.
1: Who should we trust? Yeah, and that's yeah. and, and a good question. It can be frustrating. Um, the, sometimes the messaging is not clear and concise, and there's a lack of transparency. But I would say first and for, foremost, stay off of social media. Um, you can get a, a lot of misinformation, disinformation from social media. I think the most important person to speak to is to talk to your doctor. Talk to your private doctor, your person your primary care physician. Um, their number one priority, my number one priority is the safety and well being of my patients. Um, don't talk to your you know your neighbor or your friend or someone, someone's post on, on Facebook. The most trusted, reliable source Um, would be your physician. And although the CDC is lagging in so many ways, for the most part, they do try to put out the best information, even though it's not always up to date. Um, I'm I'm happy that they reduced the isolation quarantine time from 10 days down to five days because they took into account the the importance of balance and, and looking to see what can society, what can patients tolerate but, but also taking into account their mental and emotional well-being and taking into account the social and economic impact that 10 days of quarantine can have. So the, the number one, talk to your doctor, um, stay off the internet unless you're on the CDC's website and uh, you know, just do the best you can overall to, to protect yourself. We're gonna get through this wave, just like we got through the initial wave, just like we got through Delta. What's important is know your risk and know what to do to protect yourself. And of course, Vaccines are, you know, the number one, but um, there's other things to do as well because some people, for example, are allergic to the vaccine or some people picked up COVID and they're not a candidate to be vaccinated right away. So, again, the best thing to do is talk to your doctor, you know, call them up, make an appointment, and uh, get the information you need to empower yourself to protect yourself.
3: We're talking to Dr. Jeanette Nishwat. She is a Fox News medical contributor here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm Joe Kelly. It's at Talk Radio Joe. You can join us at 866 408 7669. We touched on this yesterday, Dr. Nishwat, that, that here in the United States, we essentially have 50 different laboratories, 50 different states that are all handling COVID slightly differently. And then we take into the, the, the entire, the totality of the rest of the world the, with hundreds and hundreds of nations that are all. So little laboratories that are that are dealing with their own COVID outbreaks. As you look around the landscape, I mean, is there somebody who's doing it particularly well, be it a state or a nation?
1: Well, you know, it was interesting to see Singapore, Taiwan, uh, South Korea. They did such a great job um, initially. But you know what, uh, Joe? Even the United States. You know, we did the best we could. It's just the virus itself. It's just so contagious. And I, I truly do believe no matter what you do, um, it, you can still pick it up. Uh, even if you're vaccinated, you can pick it up. But the the, the the point is you wanna minimize your symptoms. You wanna minimize being hospitalized. You wanna minimize you know, severe complications. And we do that by getting your vaccine, for example. Um, but I think here in America, Americans have worked so hard um, trying to do the right thing. Majority of Americans are vaccinated, Joe. Majority of Americans wear their mask. And they understand the risk. It's just trying to get through this wave, and I I do believe that we will probably another few more weeks, Um, but it doesn't help matters when we have a massive shortage of diagnostic tools, and you can't get a test, and there's a shortage of medications and therapeutics. That certainly doesn't help, but I think that's just something that we need to learn from our mistakes and try to work on.
3: Dr. Neshwat, I I got the Moderna vaccine, both shots of that. Now, admittedly, I've not I've not gone in for a booster yet. I'm kind of waiting to see how many boosters they're going to expect from us first before I start with the first booster. But I did have a breakthrough case. I did come down with covid even after I was uh, after I was vaccinated. But I'm I lost my spleen some years ago, so I am immunocompromised. And when I got that breakthrough case and my symptoms first started, immediately I made an appointment to go down and get monoclonal antibodies. In fact, to your point, to your point, Dr. Neshwat, my doctor, I had sent a note to my doctor saying, hey, I just tested positive for COVID. And she immediately said, go get the monoclonal antibodies, which were not at her doctor's office. They were actually at the uh, Camping World Stadium at one of our football stadiums. And, and I went down and got the monoclonal antibodies and within 12 hours, my symptoms had subsided awesome. and my symptoms That's were awesome. mild in the first place. I, so yeah. I am convinced that my symptoms were mild. I didn't get real sick and I didn't die from COVID. I'm convinced because of the vaccine and the monoclonal antibodies.
1: That's awesome. I'm just so happy to hear that, you know, and, 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 Being immunocompromised, you're a a top priority. You should be number one to receive the the life-saving medication. And we have a new medicine, Joe, called Ebuchel by AstraZeneca. You know what that medicine is? It's a prevention medicine. So we would have given you that shot before you even picked up COVID to protect you. Um, It is a form of a monoclonal antibody. But one of the major issues we're dealing with right now is uh, supply. We have such a shortage of monoclonal antibodies bodies and antiviral pills. And it's, it's not that easy to get a vaccine booster right now, but I could tell you, you know, of all the hundreds and thousands of patients that I've been taking care of, most recently um, in the past couple of weeks, all, almost all of my patients that have tested positive, their symptoms are all very, very, very mild. And none of them had their booster, so two shots helped, but um, I I just want to point out that I really do think the booster is very beneficial, and I don't even think we should call it a booster anymore. I think it should just be a three-dose, three-series vaccine, and then after that, we can call it a booster, because, especially with what I'm seeing with Omicron. it's, it's. I don't have a lot of patients with three doses coming in. Maybe one or two that I can think of in the past month. But overall, even having two shots can really give you a lot of a lot of. A, support, a lot of help. But ultimately, in the future, we need to update our vaccines. Just like we update our flu vaccine every year, we need to be uh, doing the same thing with our COVID vaccine. And actually, Moderna is working on that. Moderna is working on a a Omicron-specific vaccine. And Moderna is also working on a two-in-one flu vaccine, COVID vaccine. So you only have to get it, for example, once a year. When you go and get your flu shot, you're protected against COVID as well. So I'm really looking forward to that.
3: Dr. Jeanette Nishwat, joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show, Doctor, thank you so much for your time. I know, as I said, you're at the airport, so travel safely, please. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll be all masked up and everything, right? <laughs> yes, sir. I've got my three shots. I've got my mask on. I'm <laughs> headed
1: ba- headed back to New York to take care of my patients.
3: All right, very good, uh, Doctor Jeanette. Sure. Thank you so much for your time, and thanks for joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. My pleasure.
1: Happy New Year.
3: Be safe. Right back at you. 866-408-7669. My name is Joe Kelly. We're going to get to your phone calls coming up next, so jump online right now. Call 866-408-7669. The Brian Kilmeade Show continues next.
2: Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. radio that makes you think this is the brian kilmeade show
3: my name is joe kelly in for brian kilmeade brian is going to be back with you on monday you can join me at 866-408-7669 let's go to galveston texas jason is joining us here on the brian kilmeade show hey jason
0: hey hey i appreciate the thinking my call here hey i got something that might people might not like what I'm gonna say and there may oh, be some naysayers and there may be some people be like, Well, I don't think. Well don't do that. I'm a nurse of fourteen years and since this virus began, something's got my attention that I've totally ignored the virus thing. Yeah, I know it's there, but it's not on my shelf. What I noticed were adults. They happen to be Democrats at the time. I went into the behavioral mode because I watched them regress down to childlike behavior, infants screaming and crying, and I could never get out of it. And I started to realize when this new administration kept, you know took over, I kept in my behavioral model, and I put this you know, if you put a psychological profile together, like a, like a, CAI, a CIA map type, and do a psychological profile and a behavioral model on this administration, in the center of it, on every single decision-making that they do, if you put the harm of Americans, or you can even put death of Americans in the middle of it, every single decision-making they do puts Americans in harm's way, if not worse. And I mean every single thing down from the border I mean, we've got a virus that's took over the world. Right, but
3: but I just want to make sure I understand you. You're, you're not – while it may certainly seem that way, you don't seem – you're not suggesting that Democrats are trying to kill people.
0: Well, if you build your model right, they are putting Americans in harm's way on every single decision. I mean, we've and, got and – Look,
3: I, and, I, and I've not seen the model, and I'm not going to doubt you on that. If if, if, if if you say so, I'll take your word for it, but – Um, that may just be coincidental. I I just, uh, you can hate Democrats all day long, and I just don't think they're deliberately trying to kill people. Maybe making bad policy decisions, yes, but trying to kill people? That's a bridge I can't cross.
2: breaking news unique opinions hear it all on the brian Me show so peter to what do i owe the pleasure
6: when mysterio revealed my identity my entire life got screwed up i was
8: wondering
9: if maybe you could make it so that he never did the entire world is about to forget that peter parker is spider-man
11: we tampered with the stability of space-time Multiverse is
10: a concept about which we know frighteningly little. The problem is you trying to live two different lives. The longer you do it, the more dangerous it becomes. Be careful what you wish for, Parker.
3: It is amazing how a movie can elicit a physical reaction. I've got goosebumps hearing the the trailer there for the Spider-Man No Way Home. And I've already seen Spider-Man No Way Home. I know the movie, and I it still gives me goosebumps uh, to be able to hear that. And I'm looking forward to seeing it again. My name is Joe Kelly. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. You can join us at 866-408-7669. Brian is going to be back here on Monday. Joining us now is Kevin McCarthy. And uh, Kevin is a movie critic and a Fox News contributor. Kevin, hello. Happy New Year to you.
5: Hey Joe! Happy New Year to you too. Hope you had a good Christmas. And uh, honored to be on to talk movies that we do. This is like our this
3: is like our yearly tradition, right? <laughs> Honestly, when they said Joe, hey, hey Joe, can you fill in for Brian? Kill me, and I said, well, under one condition: if you can get me Kevin McCarthy, and we can spend a couple of segments talking about movies at the end of the year, then right. yes, I will. I'll be... So this is how they pay me. They pay me by letting me talk to Kevin McCarthy. Hey,
5: uh, that's uh, that doesn't sound bad to me. Now, like, what's funny is, and and I. I I've, said this before but like so obviously I share a name with uh, with uh, with a political figure so like what I I, genu- I genuinely always get uh, uh, tweets that are directed towards that Kevin McCarthy that are yeah, not yeah. Meant, that are meant for, not meant for me, so I always respond with movie reviews. So that's kind of like what my, my my bit has been. So that name, I know people probably know the name from the other person, but except for me. So
3: so let's so let's break this down. So we've got a lot of people who are going to be uh, wanting to pass some time this week and next week. Uh, you know, a lot of people are even if. Even for those who are working this week, let's be honest, everybody's just kind of phoning it in, right? Everybody's just kind of (laughs) half-assing it, if you will, you know, and um, people want to go see movies, right? So, And I've got your top ten list, and I've got some issues with your top ten list, um, and and I'm looking forward to getting into that. So let's start with number ten, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings.
5: Yeah. So yeah, this is amazing. So Shang Chi is like I I didn't know a ton about this character. So I'm a I'm a big Marvel fan. I think a lot of people obviously are. Um, And I think with this film in particular, I didn't know a ton about who Shang Chi was in the Marvel world. And um, Simu Liu, uh, who plays the the lead character Shang Chi, is just outstanding in this role. And like, for me, the reason I put it on my top 10 and I do want to clarify, these are my top 10 favorite movies of the year. Um, you know, I think a lot of people get mixed up with like, this is the best movie ever. Like, you know, this is just my particular top 10, but there's a bus uh, fight sequence in that film. And for people who haven't seen it, it's available on Disney plus. If you want to check it out there, they have the IMAX version of it available there as well. Um, where, uh, and to me there's a, there's a fight at the beginning of the film on a bus that to me solidified this movie on my top 10 because it was so outstandingly shot. Uh, and Simu Liu did so many of his own stunts uh, and just was blown away by by, by everything. In terms of Aquafina. she was hilarious. There was just Awkwafina's so many great, great bits yeah. in this movie. Yeah, I mean, it just worked. And uh, I, I just, uh, Tony Leung, I mean, there's so many amazing uh, p- uh, parts in this film that worked for me. And it was just, the music was great. The action was great. It just was a great story.
3: So I don't disagree with anything that you've said there. It's just that none of the characters were familiar to me <clears throat> right. So it wasn't like watching a movie with friends. With uh, characters that I have known for the last 5 6 years. Yeah.
5: Yeah, I mean like it was, to me I've I've really been interested in these in these uh in these uh, initial stories of characters like I like one of my favorite Marvel films is Doctor Strange, is the, the first Doctor Strange. Yeah. And like I again, that's a I get it. The origin stories. Yeah, I love origin stories, and I, and I just, like, the first Iron Man's great origin story, obviously, and, and the first Thor and the first Captain America, but the first Doctor Strange and then Shang-Chi, I didn't know a ton about either of those characters yeah. prior to going in, and they, and they really kind of won me over. I was very happy with both of those
3: films. All right, number nine on your list is Licorice Pizza, which is probably yeah. going to be a movie that very few people have even heard of, much less yeah. seen.
5: Yeah, so this is Paul Thomas Anderson, one of my favorite directors uh, working, obviously, um, people who, you definitely know the movies he's made. Boogie Nights, Magnolia, There Will Be Blood, The Master, uh, you know, Phantom Thread, Inherent Vice. I mean, he's just one of my favorite. Punch Drunk Love, Heart 8. He's just a great director. Um, This is a... This is kind of a Hangout movie, um, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, Cooper Hoffman, is the lead star of the movie, and he's outstanding. Uh, and then Alana Haim, who's, uh, who's uh, the other lead star in the film as well. And it's really just a movie about – Two people who meet, um, there's a, there, there's like a spark between them, um, but the characters are, are, are very different in age. They have like a 10-year age gap. So that becomes kind of the push-pull of the movie where you're just kind of – you understand they can't be together, but you understand that they have a spark between them in a way well, that they're like and best it,
3: friends. And, and I'm, as I'm sure you know, it has led to some controversy about that movie.
5: Yeah, and the controversy you're referring to, basically in the film, Cooper Hoffman's character is 15, uh, and the, the the girl that he falls in love with is 25. Now the entire film is her and him fighting that idea that like it, that they they can't be together, that they're you know they're 10 years apart. So the movie addresses it. It's it's never like it's never like shining a light and saying oh this is acceptable. There, there is, her character the entire time is weirded out by this entire situation. Um, and that, to me, is like the push-pull of the whole movie, is that like right. you are going along for this ride. I love this movie. It's amazing.
3: So then in that case, it's like when Robert DeSantis wore blackface uh, in, uh, what was that movie? But but by by addressing it in the movie, it kind of took away the power of him wearing blackface. Um, and maybe by them addressing it in this movie, Licorice Pizza, it takes away the weirdness about it.
5: I mean, I will say just uh, just from my perspective, I'm I'm not familiar with that particular movie you're referring to, so I can't I can't really compare it to that. But in in terms of like in this movie, the, it, it's addressed in a way where it's I felt like it wasn't uh, a weird thing. It kind of made sense in the world of the film.
3: Number eight on your list is Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is important the way that's phrased because there's Justice League, and there's Zack Snyder's Justice League.
5: Yeah, yeah. So obviously, Justice League was the theatrical release of the movie that had Batman and Superman and uh, and Wonder Woman and Flash. Uh, and then that film was uh, was 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 started by Zack Snyder and then finished by a director named Joss Whedon um, because Snyder was taken off the project or left the project essentially. So he had this cut of this movie that had never been seen that was four hours long or more, and uh, the fans rallied behind it got the film to be released it came out on hbo max earlier this year uh and for me as a superhero fan and a fan i i, I think ben affleck and henry cavill are two of the greatest people to ever take on batman thank and superman you. they're my personal favorite thank you, yes. I, I, thank thank you
3: yes. yeah. I, I i feel the exact same way yes i so i feel so bad that poor ben affleck has been so raked over the coals for his batman depiction but i thought he was a great batman
5: yeah, to me, he's my favorite Batman ever, and I, and I love Keaton, and I love uh, obviously Christian Bale, but I don't know, if something, so for some reason Affleck really kind of nailed that role for me, and, I, and, I, and Henry Cavill's performance in Man of Steel, I mean, that's why I mean Batman vs. Superman I still love as well even though I like the, the unrated director's cut or the R-rated cut of the film um, but this Zack Snyder's Justice League is definitely worth seeing if you haven't seen it uh, if you watch the theatrical version this is a very, very different movie yeah. it's rated R, it's black and white it's, it's absolutely gorgeous so it's
3: four. it's four hours long.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, incredible. it's a it's
3: a long yeah. movie. I, I saw it and yeah. watched it twice. I, w- I always try to watch movies twice just to make sure I understood what I saw. Uh, all right. Number seven on your list again. So we're going to go like mainstream, non-mainstream, mainstream. So Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Is that not is that, that right. comedy? Yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing you'll notice on my list every year is like, I I like all genres and I, and and in my opinion, I think all genres should be appreciated the same way that the Oscars appreciate drama. I'm kind of tired of this whole concept of like what an Oscar worthy film is. And like, this goes back years and years ago. Like I think for example, Eddie Murphy, he should have won an Oscar for the nutty professor and people don't realize how hard that scene was at the dinner table when he's playing every character at that table, except for the kid and, like, he's in makeup, shooting the scene, talking to somebody who's not there, then gets back up, changes into the other character, does the whole scene again. I mean, comedy needs to be recognized, just like horror movies do and action movies. Um, but this film is uh, is written by the same writers who wrote Bridesmaids. Um, so you have Annie and, and Kristen Wiig, who obviously uh, who are uh, brilliant writers. They're the two stars of the film. It's a, it's like very Austin Powers-esque in a way, but it's very, very different and very funny. Jamie Dorn Morning is hilarious in the movie. It was kind of a shock how surprisingly great I, this movie was. It's one of the funniest films I've seen in a long time. I've seen it five or six times already. Uh, it's not a movie you probably won't see uh, on a lot of people's top ten lists, but I loved it. That's my number, my number, uh, number seven of the year. So. By
3: the way, I got to go back to that Robert Downey Jr. reference again. That was Tropic Thunder. Certainly, you saw Tropic yeah. Thunder.
5: Yeah. So the, okay. Yeah. Because the, cause the uh, I didn't I didn't recognize the name right. you you said initially. But yes. So, so what you're so referring in, to is in topic that, right thunder. in that
3: same movie though. Um, Jack Black's character plays the the same role you just spoke of with Eddie Murphy playing multiple characters. So once again, it comes back to Tropic Thunder.
5: Yeah, Topic Thunder. Well, I mean, weird crazy enough. If you think I mean, think about the times that we're in. Um, Robert Downey Jr. was nominated for an Oscar for that film. Um, and what you're referring to is the character is an actor in the movie who undergoes surgery. Uh, and that and what you were referencing earlier was that they were they were they were ta- taking it to a point where they were saying that like, oh, they're they're saying how how ridiculous this is. Right. And so I think that's what you were referring to. Yeah. yeah.
3: Exactly right. All right, uh, number six, and then we're gonna take a break, and we'll get your top five. So number six. Is is uh, way high on my list. Uh, Spider Man No Way Home.
5: Yeah, and again, this goes back to the conversation I just had about Barb and Star. I mean, Spider Man No Way Home deserves a Best Picture nomination, and I know that sounds crazy, and I know no, people I'm are like, you. oh, it, it just blows my mind. Like this is a film that is genuinely well made. It's well, I mean, Tom Holland's performance in this movie is deeply emotional and the beauty of this movie, as as you know, since you've seen it, is it's a very cathartic experience. Like it's a very, very brutal, deeply emotional. And there's a lot of drama involved on top of all the action, on top of all the spectacle. Like these films are rooted in real genuine emotion. And I think at the end of the day, they need to be treated and looked at as such. And I think because it's a superhero film or because Barb and Star is a comedy, They are not given the same level of respect that dramas are given at the Oscars. And I think Spider-Man No Way Home deserves a Best Picture nomination, and it completely deserves to be there. I don't know if it should win – but yeah. it definitely deserves to be there. It's phenomenal.
3: And you talk about the the drama of it. But, I mean, honestly, I laughed harder at that movie than I think any movie I've laughed at in 2021. So, all right. So hang on a second, Kevin. We're talking to Kevin McCarthy. Kevin is a movie critic. He's a Fox News contributor. And we're talking about his uh, top ten list from 2021. We're going to break down the top five. We'll see if your favorite movies are on the top five list as we continue next on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmead. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmead.
3: Hey, my name is Joe Kelly in for Brian Kilmead. Brian's going to be back with you on Monday. And we are speaking with Kevin McCarthy. Kevin is a movie critic and a Fox News contributor, and we're going over his top 10 movies from 2021. So you'll have some uh, entertainment options uh, this week and this weekend as you're looking for things to do with the family. And we're at number five on the list. We're going to rattle through these uh, the next five pretty quickly because I want to get to a movie that's not on your list just yet. Uh, Let's go to Belfast number five. What is Belfast?
5: Yeah, this is Sir Kenneth Brana. Um, so, uh, this is uh, based around his childhood a bit growing up um, in Belfast, and it takes place in the late 60s during the Protestants and the Catholics. And, and it's a very, very uh, deeply emotional film, but also a strangely uplifting film in terms of kind of what it says about the human spirit. Um, I love this film. Jamie Dornan is amazing in it. Uh, I think the whole cast. Uh, uh, Is incredible as well, Judy Dench. Uh, but Kenneth Branagh really kind of did a brilliant job bringing this to life. It's shot with the same lenses that were used to shoot Lawrence of Arabia, so it's like it's like one of the most gorgeous, like beautifully cinematographer shot movies I've seen in a long time. So that that Belfast can be a huge Oscar contender this year, no question.
3: Number four, Tick Tick Boom.
5: Yeah, blew my mind. I I didn't know anything about, I mean, I knew who uh, Jonathan Larson was because obviously he created Rent, which is one of the most iconic Broadway shows of all time. But I didn't know a ton about this particular story. It's called Tick, Tick, Boom, which was a a show that Larson put on about his life, essentially. And this movie really captures that incredible um, uncertainty of trying to make it, but also your love of the art. And I think Andrew Garfield does a brilliant job. I think he deserves to win the Oscar oh. this year. I think it's the best performance I've seen from, an, uh, from any actor in 2021. That's directed by Lynn manuel Miranda. That's available on Netflix.
3: All right, the next three are going to be movies that you should have heard of. Number three is going to be Free Guy, which uh, to me was a bit like Wreck-It Ralph or Tron.
5: Yeah, I just love this film. I, 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 I love the spirit of it. I was very, very pleasantly surprised. And I love Ryan Reynolds. I think he's just great in the role. And Jodie Comer, who is a uh, really great actor uh, as well, you know, her from Killing Eve and probably The Last Duel. Um, uh, this is just a really fun film about a character who doesn't realize he exists in a video game, um, but he's like a non a non uh, the character is like a background character, right?
3: The NPC he- non-player character.
5: Right. He becomes uh, and he b- starts to build an A.I. Like he, he becomes like almost human in terms of the way he's thinking. Um, and so he tries to kind of like battle that. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful story that I think has some great messages and some great lines of dialogue. It just made me feel made me feel good when I left the theater.
3: I agree. And I and I like Ryan Reynolds, but Ryan Reynolds is Ryan Reynolds in every movie that Ryan Reynolds is in. People say that
5: I I, I, th- I I give him a little more depth and personally than that. I mean, I, I I think that yes. I mean, Ryan Reynolds has a very specific tone of comedy. Deadpool. You know, when you hear the opening of Free Guy, you you hear Deadpool a bit. Oh but yeah. I mean, you know, he, yeah. he's done some like Just Friends and Van Wilder and. The proposal. I just think he's had a really solid career. I'm ha- I'm just happy that he came back after Green uh, Green Lantern. You know, number
3: two. Oh yeah, number two on your list is got to be one of the absolute biggest disappointments for Hollywood. One of the biggest disappointments for a lot of people. West Side Story.
5: Yeah, I mean disappointments in terms of like the box office, but critically, I mean for me, uh, I was so blown away by what Steven Spielberg did here with this. I mean, you're talking about a movie that most people have already seen from the 60s, won 10 Academy Awards, uh, and then for him to come in and kind of reimagine the material uh, by Sondheim and Bernstein, this was such a pleasure. And Kaminsky, his cinematographer, who's shot pretty much all his recent films, um, you know, Saving Private Ryan, Forward, uh, he, he, or Schindler's List, I believe he shot as well. I mean, he's just a brilliant cinematographer that really brings an immersive quality. So much so that Spielberg, I feel like people just assume that Spielberg's great and people forget how brilliant he is. He's the greatest director of all time. I will Nobody see it. I will, I will watch genres it. Genres like that. It's amazing. All right.
3: And number one on your list is Dune, which uh, also is a visually spectacular movie.
5: Yeah, I mean, this is Denis Villeneuve, uh, uh, who I think is right now next to Christopher Nolan, probably the most exciting filmmaker working today. Um, I mean, this guy did Sicario, he did Prisoners, he did Arrival, he did Blade Runner 2049, um, and this is just another astounding uh, uh, film in his filmography. And to me... This was a book that was considered to be impossible to translate yeah. to film. And obviously, right. David Lynch tried in the 80s, and it didn't work out well. Uh, but now he made a part one. So Dune Part One is the movie that's on my list. It's number one. Part two was greenlit. But what's more, most insane about this entire thing is he shot Dune Part One, half the book, with a gamble that if it doesn't do well enough, <laughs> they might not let him do a part two and
3: Kevin, I will catch you next year, my friend, and we'll catch up on next year's movies. Brian is back on Monday.
5: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one of a kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.